today. We are starting on a new series. I'm going to give you one guess as to what the name of that series is. See, that's why I hang out with y'all, because y'all are smart and you're observant. And the series today is holy. We're going to be on that series for quite a while. You know, I have a Bible, and I don't know if, if you are carrying one or if you have your phone, but if I look on the, the binding of my Bible, what does it say there? Holy Bible. We serve a holy God. There are holy days. Scripture tells us, be holy, for I am holy. So I'm like, okay, that's serious business. If I'm supposed to be holy, then what does holy mean? Have any of you sat there for a moment and thought about all the places that you find holy, and then if someone said, I need a, a concise and a succinct definition of holy, would you be able to define this word holy? And, and I'm sitting here and I'm thinking, okay, if God is holy and there's a holy Bible, holy days, all of those kind of things, we ought to know. We ought to be able to answer that question whenever it is asked. We ought to be able to carry that truth into our situations. And here is what I find, that we try to define the word holy as what it's not. That it's not sin, that it is not common, that it is not like us. Now, surely that is true, but there's some videos, and I don't know if you've ever seen them or not, but, but, but I love these videos when people get a sense that they never had before, like they get glasses for the first time, like the little kids. I, I saw this recently, a little child got glasses, and they positioned the mama right, how sweet is that? Now, come on. They put the mama right in front of the child, and they put those glasses over her eyes, and she goes, you see her face, and she goes, and she, but you see, if you had asked her a few moments ago, what is sight, she couldn't tell you, because she didn't have a sense for it. Those cochlear implants, if, if I ever didn't want to become a pastor, I would have wanted to be one of those folks. I don't even know what the name of it is, but they put those cochlear implants in for children who can't hear, and they hear for the first time. I've shown you that video before. It is amazing when they take a little child and they, however they do it, they turn, Brantley knows that, do they turn them on? How do they do it? They turn them on. And, and all of a sudden, the mom looks at that child and she says, I love you. And you see a child here, I love you, for the very first time. And again, they're like, and, and you can even see some children that are like babies almost crying because they have heard something for the very first time. And I'm thinking about I'll give you one more. I think this is funny because I have a friend who's colorblind. And before he was married, he'd come to church and he'd say, how did I do? And I'm like, that's pretty good. Then he got married and he didn't have to ask me anymore because she wouldn't let him walk out of the closet unless everything was matching. But he was colorblind. He couldn't see colors. And now they have these glasses that you can buy. And, and when you put them on, you can see color. And here are these adults that haven't seen color for all their lives. And all of a sudden, they're like, same face. And for me... I believe the struggle that we have with defining the word holy is because we're trying to define it from our position, which has been corrupted by sin, and so we can't look at what holy truly is. 
Are you with me? So what I'm thinking is, we need to get our attention off of ourselves, and we need to fix it on Christ, on God alone, and I believe that when we look at Him, when we look at Jesus, we'll find holiness. Yeah, so here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to, to Genesis chapter 2. In Genesis chapter 2, we find the first mention of this word holy. And so in Genesis chapter 2, beginning in verse 3, it says this, Then God blessed the seventh day, and He sanctified it. Other translations, that's this word, it says... Then God blessed the seventh day and he made it holy. Now here's an interesting thing. Are you tracking with me? Are you, are you concentrating on this thing? This is the seventh day. God makes the seventh day holy and sin has not yet entered the world. That's an important point. So holiness exists before there was sin. God was holy before sin entered the world. Hold on to that point. So when he blesses this seventh day, what is he doing? Here's what he's doing. God had worked for six days, and on the seventh day, he said, I'm making this day holy. I'm going to what? I'm going to rest. I'm going to cease from working. And I'm going to separate this day out from all the other days. That's where we get that word separate from. He said, I'm going to separate it i'm going to call it out from the other days and it'll be unique but here's why it's it's so unique it's not just unique because he called it out it's unique because he was finished he was finished with his work and so this word holy carries with it this sense of being complete of being finished of being i'm going to introduce this word of being whole y'all say that word with me say whole whole this word holy carries this sense that this day is whole there is nothing else that has to be added to it god has finished similar to when jesus is on the cross and what does he say it is finished i've done everything that needs to be done now he set that day apart. He said it was holy. He told them to observe that Sabbath day and to do no work. In fact, he made it so important. He said, if you do work and you are caught, you are supposed to be put to death. That's serious business. Now, I don't know about y'all, but as soon as you tell me that, I did exactly what they would have done. I can just picture myself there, and I'm like, okay, if I'm not supposed to work, and if I work, somebody's going to kill me. Can y'all please tell me what work is? Because like, and, and they start going through, you can hear them, can't you? Can't, we've done some of those very same things. They're like, is walking work? Because like I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> and I'm going to have to walk to get there. Is that going to be a problem? And they're like, no, 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 you can go to the bathroom. We're going to give you this number of steps, and this is how many steps you can, I'm serious, you, this is how many steps you can go. They're like, we've got to go out and feed the animals. Can, can, I, can I go out and, like, can I go out if the animal falls in a, in a ditch? Like, can I get them out of the ditch? And they're like, 
Yeah, go on, get him out of the ditch. And, and so they, they keep wanting to know, if I do this, is, is that going to, to cause me to fall into to sin? And so they, they keep going. And before long, they have all these different rules that you can and you, and you can't do. I used to work in construction. And they start out with an OSHA manual. You know, that's the people that come around and they set all the rules, right? And it's hilarious how this stuff goes. So, like, they'll tell you that you have to have a, a walk board. And then somebody will say, well, well, how wide is the walk board supposed to be? And then they have to go and write another rule. The walk board has to be this, this wide. And then they'll say, well, now you've got to put up a rail on the back of the walk board, which is a good idea because I was on a walk board that didn't have one, and I fell off a two-story house. It would have been good to have a, you know, a, a, a brace back there. But, but they'll say, now put up a, a rail. And the first thing somebody says is, well, how thick is the rail have to be and how high does the rail have to be do you see our nature our nature is we want to know either are we following the rules or how much can i get away with <laughs> do, do you know how many people come to me and they still carry this kind of mindset into things like reading scripture and praying and attending church, and spending time with God. They approach it from this standpoint that they say, I just don't want to get in trouble with God. So could you just tell me how much I'm supposed to read every day? Or, I'll, I'll move over here, not because y'all are this person, but just for a change of scenery. Or they'll come to me, and they'll say, well, like, how much am I supposed to read? Like, 15 minutes a day, or... 10 minutes a day. And what they're asking is, how little can I do and still be good with God? Yeah, I don't know about y'all, but I have played both sides of that. To be quite honest, I have played both sides. I have played the side that said, God, I really want to serve you. Now, if you could just spell this thing out for me so I get it right, I'll follow all the rules and I'll do my best. Yeah, how'd that work out for y'all? Yeah. Or I'm over here and I'm like, you know what? <laughs> I, there's some sin that I like. And I'm trying to see where God will draw the line. Because I'll go right up to it if I can. You know, you, you'll see people, they're, they're like, they want to go right up to the edge of that sin. How far will God let me move in that area of my life without falling off the cliff? And at some point we have to look at ourselves and say, you know what? Maybe you missed the point. But an entire group of people developed called the scribes and the Pharisees, the Sadducees, the religious leaders. And these scribes, their job was to tell the people what to do and what not to do. So they told them, you can walk this many steps and you can do this, but you can't build a fire. I got to stop right there. The fire's a good one. It's caused the Orthodox Jew a great deal of trouble. So you can't start a fire. That, that, they said, was breaking Sabbath because it was creating and you can't create on the seventh day. So you had to build your fire before the Sabbath came. <laughs> well, they got up to the car where the car was invented. Guess what cars run off of? Combustion. So now, because if we're following rules, you got to figure out now, if I drive my car to get to church, am I sinning? 
Do you see how crazy this gets? And so they had to figure that out. Now, I'm not a Jew, and I don't know how, what they figured. I think they're driving around, so I think they say it's okay. I don't know. But if you follow that path, you will drive yourself crazy, and at some point, you will either put yourself under something or over something, and you have no business doing it. In fact, I, I think I'm... Oh, Lord, am I supposed to go there? We... We have this thing in churches still. We've carried this mindset into the church. And you'll have people ask you sometimes, well, do you let that kind of person in your church? Now, I'm not even going to fill in the blank. I'm just going to let you fill in the blank, okay? I'll let you fill in the blank. Do you let so-and-so come into your church? I've never had the opportunity to do this, but I want to. And maybe somebody listening on Facebook will be able to grab a hold of this. But here's my question. Well, yes, we let them come in because the, the message that I receive of the gospel is this, for whosoever will may come. And he said that he came for the sick, not for the well. So they're probably coming in sick. So I, I can't let the sick not come in because I'd be prohibiting the very ones that Jesus wanted to come in. So I've got a question for you. Which seat do you want them to sit on? You want them to just stay on the, the back row? There's good people on the back row. We're not talking about that. <laughs> Somebody be like, they got a back row. They put all the those people. Can can they sit on the can they sit on the back row? What about middle row? What about like front row? Can can they play the drums? Can they Sing on a praise team? Can they teach a class? Some of y'all are saying yes, and I think that your answer might be at some point no. Because can they preach? Yeah. And you see, at some point, somebody's trying to figure out where to draw the line. And they want to draw that line and say, you can get to here, but you can't get here and it was the job of the scribes and the Pharisees to tell you where the line is. The problem that I have with that argument is, folks, I don't know where to draw the line. I honestly don't know how to draw the line. Because what I know that I think everybody else knows is when they say, will you let that person come in, they're talking about a person who is wearing their sin on the very outside of their skin. But I will tell you that there are people who are walking into church every day and they are wearing their sin covered where no one can ever see it. And then the question is, how good? How good do you have to be? Because the standard that you see in the Scripture is be holy because I am holy. But I just got to tell you, when I look at that standard and I've looked through the commentary, and here's what they say. They say, well, we are called to be holy. And you're supposed to press holiness into people. But we're going to be imperfect at being holy. Do y'all see my eyebrows furling up right there? Huh? You got it too, right? That's, that's weird. Like, I'm supposed to be perfect, but I'm going to be imperfect at being perfect. Huh? Are y'all tracking with me? 
So they're telling me that I'm supposed to do something and I'm going to be judged by doing it, but I can't do it. So it's like me walking up and telling you, I've got an assignment for you. You can't possibly do it, but I expect you to. That is an amazing dilemma, right? Can I tell you that wherever you are and however you come to Jesus, you will not come by your holiness because you can't wash with dirty hands. You can't ask a blind person what it's like to see because they never have. You can't ask a person who can't hear to tell you how the birds sound because they've never heard them. You can't tell us who have lived in sin what holiness looks like because we don't have a clue until we come face to face with Jesus. Who when the demons looked at Him, they said, that is holiness. That is the Holy One of God. That's what they said when they saw Jesus coming. They said, "Woo, the Holy One of God. You see, I believe that the standard for holiness is not us. And every time you want to draw a line, the problem that I see is you have the same dilemma that the people at OSHA have. Where are you going to draw it? And how many rules do you have to create in order to answer that person's question and if you keep answering their questions because they're asking from a position of darkness, I hope y'all are following me because this feels good inside. <laughs> if you are trying to answer from a position of darkness, you will recreate the law. And I believe that is why Paul wrote in Galatians 5.1, it is for freedom that Christ has set you free. So don't give yourselves over again to those same old things. Don't, don't try to be saved by grace and then live by works. You cannot do it. So I believe that the only thing we can do is stare toward Jesus who is in Him the fullness of deity dwells. All right, I got to keep moving. Y'all with me? All right. So they got all these rules and the Sabbath is important. Now follow with me over to John chapter 5. And Jesus starts messing with them. So in John chapter 5, it's the Sabbath day. And he visits this pool of Bethesda. And at this pool of Bethesda, the waters would be troubled and the angels would stir it up. And if you could get into the water, you could get healed. But you had to be the first one in. <laughs> and so there's this guy sitting by the pool and Jesus sees him and it says in chapter 5 verse 5 a man was there who had been ill for 38 years ill for 38 years Jesus sees him and in verse 6 he says when Jesus saw him lying there and he knew that he had already been a long time in that condition he said to him do you wish to get healed do you wish to get well? That word is whole. He's inviting. He says, do you want to be whole? Does anybody in the room want to be whole? Would you say, you know what? I just love to be whole in mind, and body, and soul, every part of me. I'd love to just be caught up in the, the wholeness of Jesus. Jesus says, do you wish to be whole? And then the sick man answers him, Sir, I have no man to put me in the pool when the water is stirred up. But while I'm coming, another steps down 
before me. Can you just see this guy? He's looking at Jesus and he says, of course I want to be whole. I'm right here by the water. But every time the water stirs, somebody beats me to it. Can you, can you hear that frustration? Is there any frustration in anybody in the room that you feel like you need something in order to make your life work, but it feels like you're right on the edge of the water, but you can't seem to get in, that somebody beats you to it, or something comes in, and you're like, again, I'm like right on the edge of the water. I can't get in. And he's looking at Jesus, and Jesus says to him in verse 8, Get up, pick up your pallet and walk. <laughs> it says, Immediately the man became well. Same thing, became whole. He became whole by just the word of God. And he picked up his pallet, and he began to walk. And as a reminder, it says, It was the Sabbath day. So, here's the situation. You got this person who just got healed. Mackenzie, you're going to be my healed person. Come on up here, dog. Mackenzie is studying to be a doctor, not an actress. But nevertheless, you have been sick for 38 years and couldn't get in the water. And Jesus just speaks a word and you are made whole, and he says, pick up your pallet, your bed, and walk. How do you respond? <laughs> I pick up my pallet and my bed. Is that how you do it? Yeah. You want to know how I do it? I'd be like. <laughs> Huh? Huh? You want to try it again? How would... So you've been sick for 38 years. Okay, Jesus speaks just a word. Okay? And he says, pick up your bed and walk. What do you do? <laughs> no. No. Hold on. Stay up here for this bit. Y'all are the Jews that were around that same day, and it says that they saw what happened. Now, what is your response? Go, go on and do it right now. What would your response be? Yeah, that's about what we get. You can sit down. It, it's funny that when you see a miracle, there, there are some people, and they go crazy. And they're ecstatic, and they're jumping up and down, and they're praising the Lord, and you cannot contain their excitement. And then there are other people, and they're like, I don't know if that's real or not. <laughs> he probably brought him here before the whole water thing, sat him down, got him a wheelchair. He probably set that whole thing up. They probably wouldn't, you know. And then there's some other people who's like, well, he didn't heal me. Uh oh you ever had that feeling when somebody got a breakthrough and you looked at them and said, why, why, why ain't I get a breakthrough? I've been praying just as long as they have. Why not? Why not? And, and, and you can imagine all these reactions, and, and they look at the guy, and they said, um, verse 
10. And so the Jews were saying to the man who was cured, it is the Sabbath day, and it is not permissible to carry your pallet. The guy's been sick for 38 years. He gets healed, and they look at him and say, you shouldn't be carrying your pallet because it's the Sabbath day. And people want to know why we don't like Pharisees. <laughs> the man's been healed, and all the religious leaders can do is say, you broke the law. Why, why are you breaking the law? And, and then the poor guy, he says, they asked him, who is the man who said to you, pick up your pallet and walk? They don't want to go in and commend Jesus and thank him for doing it. They want to go find and punish the guy who told him to pick up his bed and broke the Sabbath. Oh my goodness, can, can, are you following me? And so then, but the man who was healed, he didn't know who it was because Jesus slipped away while there was a crowd in the midst. I love that. Jesus just said, why y'all arguing, fussing, fighting? I'm just going to leave. <laughs> and he just slips out of the room. And, and then it says, Later on, Jesus comes back to him, verse 14, and he found him in the temple and he said to him, Behold, you have become well, whole. Ooh, listen to this. Do not sin anymore so that nothing worse happens to you. You see, the instructions of Jesus not to sin is because Jesus is not trying to keep you from something that is good for you. Jesus is trying to keep something that can kill and destroy you from killing and destroying you. His instructions are to bring life, not death. And here's what I love, that he loved this man so much that not only did he tell him, pick up your bed and be made whole, but he found him the next day and he said, hey, by the way, just to make sure that you maintain this wholeness for the rest of your life, that thing you were doing, yeah, knock it off. Wow. And I think when you hear that, when you feel that, you go, yes, sir. I got it. You know, you get it, right? At that point, you understand the heart of Jesus who came and said that. And I believe that's when you look at him and go, yes, sir, I got it. Yes, sir. Okay. And, and not only that, but understand this, that in that moment, Jesus is empowering him. That's what grace is, it's empowering. He's empowering him to live another way, to be made whole. And you see, those Pharisees didn't care anything about that man's wholeness. The only thing they cared about, and they didn't care anything about his sin, really. What they cared about is that he broke their rules. Now, if you follow with me over, we got to hurry. Mark chapter 2. Jesus is walking through these grain fields with his disciples in Mark chapter 2, verse 23. And they're picking from this grain field. It says, and it happened that he was passing through the grain fields on the Sabbath. There's that word, Sabbath. And his disciples began to make their way along while picking the heads of grain. So they're walking through and it's the Sabbath and they're hungry and they're picking grain, whatever it is, wheat, barley, whatever it is, and they're rubbing it in their hands and they're opening up the grain, and they're eating the grain because they're hungry, and the Pharisees were saying to him, look, why are you doing what is not lawful on the Sabbath? So what do they say again? There you go again, Jesus. 
There you go again. There's about four things that when I read the New Testament, Jesus gets himself in trouble over. He, he gets himself in trouble over healing people on the Sabbath. He, he gets in trouble for talking about the temple being destroyed. He gets in trouble for forgiving people. And he gets in trouble for saying that he's the son of God. This one is, there you go again, Jesus, working on the Sabbath. Notice what Jesus says in verse 27. Jesus said to them, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Ooh. He just redefined Sabbath. Not from their perspective. Mm, glory to God, but from His. Did you see that? He said, you guys have been trying to keep the Sabbath, but you've done it from your perspective, which is to try to keep yourself from doing all this stuff. Tell me what to do, what not to do, and I'll do it. He said, today I redefine the word from my perspective. I created a day of rest because you needed one. I'm not about to reintroduce the Sabbath keeping for you because I'm going to explain that in a moment. But can I tell you this? You need rest. You keep going and going and going. Day after day, week after week, you keep pressing. And I'll tell you that you will become disintegrated. You ever felt like that? So stressed to the max. So tired, so weary, so pressing in that it feels like if the least little thing touches you, you will break into a thousand pieces. Yeah, that's the opposite of whole. And Jesus said, I came because you need rest so that I can make you whole. You need a day where you can spend with people who love you because you need love. You need to spend time with people who are believing the same kind of things you believe so that you can be encouraged in your spirit. Yeah. Go on and forsake the assembling together of the saints. And unless you are one of the very called out ones that are meant to go, I'll tell you, even me, when I don't spend time with you guys, I miss it. And I need you. You know why? Because it is the body of Christ, too, that makes us whole. Yeah, being together makes us whole. So he says you need rest. You need each other. You need time to focus and set your your compass back to true north, which is me. And he says, that's why I made it. I made it for you, not because I made you in order to obey a rule. And then he said this, so the Son of Man is Lord even of the Sabbath. If the Pharisees weren't mad enough, he said this. This is, this is the nearly inspired Kevin translation. That's the N-I-K. Yeah. He said, y'all, I did not make the rules. I did not make you to serve the rules. The rules are here to make you whole. I didn't make you in order to keep a day. I made a day to keep you whole. <laughs> he said, my priority for you Holy. What if you started thinking about being holy in terms of being whole, of being complete, 
of being complete in what? In Jesus. Whole in who? Whole in him, in a relationship with him. One other quick verse. He, he tells them over in, in Matthew, it says that um, in verse 11, it's Matthew 12, verse 11. And he said to them, what man is there among you who has a sheep? And if it falls into a pit on the Sabbath, will he not take hold of it and lift it out? How much more valuable then is a man than a sheep? Isn't that good? He said, your law allows that if a sheep is in a ditch, you can pull him out. Isn't it okay for me to pull out of brokenness people and make them whole? And then he says, isn't that good? And so he's telling them that, that he can pull people out and make them whole. Can I tell you what God wants to do to you? He wants to make you just like him. Whole. But you can't get there by yourself. You can't clean yourself up. You can't follow all the rules. You yield to Jesus. And then he says, I'll take my righteousness and I'll give it to you. And I'll take your sin and I'll have it crucified on the cross. And it'll die there. Hmm. And then he says in Hebrews chapter 4, which this is my invitation to you today. I'm, I'm inviting you into something that I believe that Jesus has invited you into, that God has invited you into, that the Holy Spirit has invited you into. I want to read just a few verses. It's Hebrews chapter 4. It says this, Therefore, let us fear if while a promise remains of entering His rest. Ah, entering His Sabbath, Sabbath rest. He says, therefore, let us fear that while a promise remains of entering his rest, any one of you may seem to have come short of it. Is there anybody in the room today that you fell short of being able to rest in the wholeness of God? That you would say, I missed it. I didn't even know that was the assignment. <laughs> I, I was told I was supposed to separate myself from God and do all I could to make myself look like God. And I have been striving in that regard. And I am miserable. And I am tired. And I'm ready to quit. And Jesus said, would you come and enter my rest? Listen to what he says. For indeed, we have good news. I saved the good news to the end. We had good news preached to us just as they also. But the word they heard did not profit them because it was not united by faith in those who heard. You cannot earn what I'm about to give you. You can only believe that it is as Jesus says it is. He says in verse 7, He again fixes a certain day today, saying through David, after so long a time, just as he has been said before, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your heart. Can I ask somebody today, if you have not experienced holiness, will you not let your heart be hardened today? That there is a day of salvation. You know when it is? Right now. <laughs> What's the day? Now. <laughs> when do you want to enter into the holiness of God? Well, I'm going to go home and I'm going to think about what Kevin said. No. No now. So there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. 
For the one who has entered his rest has himself also rested from his works as God did from his. Therefore, let us be diligent to enter that rest so that no one will fall through the following the same example of disobedience. He said, don't try what they have tried. It won't work. There is only one thing in Scripture that you are supposed to strive for. Therefore, let us strive to enter his rest. You don't strive for approval. You don't strive for favor. You don't strive for holiness. But you can't get that. You strive to enter into Jesus, a relationship with Him. And when you enter into Him, you want to know why there's no Sabbath and I'm not introducing or reintroducing a Sabbath day for you? <laughs> because Jesus is our Sabbath rest. You can't institute the day. The day is a person. Jesus was saying, I am Lord of the Sabbath. I am your rest. If you've been struggling to find it, maybe you were looking in all the wrong places. If you will enter into His rest, and then you say, but Kevin, what am I going to do? i got so many things going on in my life. I would say if you enter into a relationship with Him, if you become part of the fellowship of believers, God has positioned you to make you whole. So here is the invitation. Guys, come. We're going to receive the offering, and we're also going to receive this. Pull a card out of the front of that seat in front of you. And it should say, Get Connected. Pull that out. And I want you to look at it. Some of you filled it out last week. And here's what I want to say to you about that card. That there is no better time than right now. If you are struggling in life, there is no better time than right now to enter His rest. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pray over you. I'm going to have a, a group of people come. If anybody feels led to minister today, Amy and Chris, I see y'all at the back. Pat, Kim, some of y'all just come. If I didn't call your name and you feel led, I want just people to be up here, okay? Uh, where's Justin? Justin, can you and the team sing No Place I'd Rather Be? <laughs> How perfect is that, right? Huh? How perfect is that? That there's, there's no place I'd rather be than in Jesus and in wholeness. And I want you to look, and if you need wholeness, then there's a place to receive counseling. There's a place to receive ministry. If you say, you know what, I, I'm just a new believer. I just need to grow. Then there are opportunities for growth. And if you've been here a long time and you're like, man, I just never did volunteer for anything, never did want to serve because I never thought I was good enough. I would say we're made whole by the work of Jesus Christ, not by your doing. And it might be time if you started giving back and become life-giving. And so we're going to start singing this song. Here's my prayer for you. Stand up if you don't mind. I want you to meditate on this. 
I'm going to give you a one-word definition for holy that you can take with you this week. Holy is wholeness. That is what holiness is from God's side of things. Wholeness. And He bought it with the precious blood of His Son, Jesus Christ. And I just think we ought to walk in it. And if you're not, I think you ought to get some help from people who might be a few steps ahead of you or maybe walk right alongside of you. But if you're not whole, I think you should be and that God wants you to be. And I'll tell you this. Paul said, I'm not perfect, but I'm being perfected. You know what? That's good enough for me. It's good enough for me to say, if you ask me, say, Kevin, are you perfect? I'd say, I'm not perfect. But he's perfected me. And he's good enough to get me home and finish what he started. 